Thank you, Mark. That's beautiful. Good morning, everybody. And good morning to our friends online. And thank you, Hugh. Very, very cool. All right. So today I actually want to speak on something that's very close to my heart. And I think it's an important message because these are times when in the last two years we've been shaken and recently we've gone through some trauma. And I feel like God just wants to remind us who he is. And it's so, so important that we grasp that, that God wants us to know him. Good. And I know you're going to agree with me on that fact. And I know no one's going to have an issue with that topic. But I felt like the Holy Spirit just whispered to me this morning and said it's time to go deeper. That we need a daily, fresh revelation of who God is. And that's, that's a real relationship. Yeah. It's not like you meet someone, get a bit of information about them, their favorite food, their favorite movies, and then you just never hang out and speak to them again. And you're like, I have this best friend, I hung out with him two years ago. Yeah, I know their favorite color. Yeah, I know they're a good person. Yeah, I could probably pick their coffee. But, you know, I haven't seen them for two years, I haven't talked to them, I haven't picked up the phone. Like, you would kind of be questioning whether that's a relationship, hey? Right? Yeah. And yeah. it's like that with God. And I love it that we're doing this series on relationships. I'm really passionate about relationships because the gospel is a gospel of right relationship. Yeah. And it's so convenient that we can have the cross right here because I don't need to do this demonstration on my visuals. But you know, when you look at the cross, we have our um, vertical relationship, our relationship with God and us, our personal relationship with God. But then there's also our relationship with others. And the gospel reconciles us with God and it reconciles us with others. Yeah. And God actually wants us to fulfill the greatest commandment of all, which is to love God and love others. And I think, I think most humans I've met so far in this point in my life do want to love well. Mm. I haven't heard anyone so far say, you know what, I really want to be a crap friend. I really want a whole bunch of broken relationships in my life, and I just want everyone to hate me. <laughs> I've never heard that. Even though some people may be experiencing that kind of stuff in their life, it's not what they want. And I think because God has made us in his image and we truly desire relationship and God in his goodness, and I love it that we were singing those songs today. I just felt like you were reading my notes actually, Jez. Seriously, I was thinking, thank you, Lord, you've prepared the way here. But God, you know, he knows that we want to, to do relationships well. We're made for a relationship. We're made to relate. But God in his goodness and in his loving kindness has made a way for us to love. He empowers us with that love. If you've read 1 Corinthians 13 recently, it's, you know, a tough read. Like, sometimes I think I'm doing pretty well in my relationships and in my love until I read that chapter, and it's like, you know, love is patient. I'm pretty good at patience. Been learning a lot about that lately. Love is kind. Yeah, I feel like I'm doing well in kindness. Love keeps my record of wrongs. Ugh. <laughs> uh, let's skip that part, go to the next part. You know, love always believes in the best. And I'm like, yeah, you know, trying to default to the best. And I used to just read that passage of scripture and feel like a failure. Anyone else relate to that? You're just like, I am not a good person. <laughs> I thought I was a good person, but when I read this standard of love, it is so unachievable. But that's the point. God is highlighting a love that needs Jesus to love like that. And he actually has, in his faithfulness and in his loving kindness, given us the Holy Spirit to empower us to love like that. So I'm going to focus today on our relationship with God. And we've really hit that topic a few times about we're made for a relationship, we're made for a relationship. 
And I think that's why, you know, we grieve so much when it comes to death, because it's a broken relationship. But the good news of the gospel is that as believers, death, as painful as it is, is a temporary separation. And when I grieve, and I go through the process of grief, which I have done several times in my life, I grieve with hope, with anticipation of the future. That now I have treasures in heaven. I mean, when I was younger, they were mansions. (laughs) You know, I was like, I'm just gonna eat the best food ever, and I'm just gonna have a mansion and invite all my friends over. No, now my treasures in heaven are my friends and family. That's beautiful. And I look forward to seeing them one day. And I look forward to the day that Jesus wipes away every tear. So the topic for today is three things about God that will change your life. And I'm going to connect with each of them now, but I'll go in and out of them a little bit. So the first thing is God is personal. God is personal. That relationship element that I'm hitting on, God wants to go deeper with that today. Second, God is speaking, and we so need to hear his voice. In this particular time especially, there are so many opinions about God, there's blogs about God, there's ideas about God, and even your own assumptions about God. We all have our filters. You know, some of us are looking at God through interpreting our circumstances, or some of us are looking at God as a businessman and we're bargaining with him. Or we think God is like the game master in the Hunger Games. Anyone remember the Hunger Games? Yeah. I won't make a comment about that movie, but the point is, <laughs> the game maker, we sometimes have this view of God that, you know, he's just up in heaven throwing challenges at us, and we're just like Katniss trying to just get through the challenges and keep the sweet spirit and keep building our character. And we just think that God's doing this to us, and we've got to have a good attitude about it. But we need to understand that God is speaking and he wants to speak truth to us. And we just need God's opinion on God. We really need God's opinion on God. And I am lately find myself, you know, I've known God personally since I was four. Some of you may not understand that, but I remember as a four-year-old really encountering the Lord. I read my children's Bible when I was eight, the whole thing. It did have a lot of pictures, but it was a commitment. (laughs) And I, I remember reading this, this children's Bible, when I got to the end, got a little freaked out about the dragon and the baby and the book of Revelations was a lot for an eight-year-old to take in. But I remember thinking, well, God is a king and I'm a part of a kingdom and my life has a purpose. But it wouldn't be until I was 17 that I would realize that God is a king, but he chooses to be a father. And he reaches out to us and he speaks comfort, he speaks truth, and he speaks perspective. And for me personally, as somebody who has grieved and who has felt very broken and has even wondered if they'll ever be okay again, I have heard and found what I need in God's character. That a lot of things don't make sense. And sometimes I am tempted to think, you know what, God, if I was you, I would have done things a bit differently. It's kind of obvious to me what you should have done. (laughs) And I know you're good, so it's not actually making sense to me why this is bad but I always find what I'm looking for in God's character. And that is where we trust. That's where we have trust in God. Trust is built and broken in character in our personal relationships, but the good news in God's character is steadfast. He is the great I am, and no matter what happens in our life, God doesn't change, he's steadfast, and his heart towards us is good, 
and he's for us and he's advocating for us. And I just love that. I love coming back to that simple truth. That's great. So, you know, there's this quote by A.W. Tozer, a favorite author of mine, and he says, what comes to our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes to our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And so I have a question for you to think about. I'm not going to make you answer it. But what comes to your mind when you think about God? And is there pain there? Maybe there's anger. Maybe there's confusion. And I want to speak into that and just say, you know what? And I say this respectfully. God's a big boy. He's not your child. He's not your little friend. And he's not so unattainable that he can't handle your emotions. And I remember a time in my life going for a walk with God and I felt like I was beating his chest in anger. And I remember the intimacy of that moment that there was a battle going on in my soul of feeling really bad, like, oh, I'm such a bad Christian that I have this anger and I have these doubts and I have these confusions. But there was an intimacy being released in my life where I got really honest with God. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just because of my Australian culture or it's because of my Christian upbringing, having a good Christian upbringing where I do know the right answers. You know, like I know God is good. I know it's going to be okay. I know God's making all things new. But I actually don't know how to get there. And so the third thing I want to talk about today is God is making all things new. And on that walk, I had a revelation that, you know, I am only dealing with the tension of the first and second coming of Jesus. And there's a window right now in eternity that we are present in that kind of depends on God in a way that we won't need to in heaven when all things are made new and we have the fullness of our salvation and we understand we have the mind of Christ. It's going to all make sense. Kind of like when you're reading the Bible and you look at the Israelites and you're like, come on guys, get your stuff together. You know, whereas I'm sure it was really, really hard to be in the desert. I'm not a camper, so I just feel like camping for 40 years already sounds like I would have questioned my faith. You know, like maybe some of you would have been like loving it. Andre would have probably been living his best life. I would have just been hanging out with Andre soaking up that good attitude. <laughs> you know, but like it's easy to read it and be like, God was providing food for you. God had a cloud for you. There was, you know, water coming from a rock. You walked through the sea. You know, they saw crazy signs and wonders, and yet they were so filled with doubt and unbelief. And so I think that, you know, God is making all things new, and there's a part that we don't have right now, just like I can read the Bible, and I have, I have understanding that the Israelites didn't have. And I think in the, in the time to come, in the age to come, we won't need to trust God like we're trusting him now. We won't need to walk by faith like we're walking now. And what I mean when I say faith, I really want to articulate this well. I'm just trusting the Holy Spirit to hit some things home. Faith is not based on what you're asking God for. You don't have big faith if you believe in God for a million dollars. You don't have big faith if you're praying for something that's completely impossible. That's not the measure of your faith. The measure of your faith is being in agreement with God. And when you're in agreement with God, you're in agreement with who he is, you can boldly ask God things because you know that you're a son, I'm a daughter, and we can come before God, a personal God who wants to speak into our situations, and we can trust that he's going to give us an answer. 
and that his no is as faithful as his yes. So important. Again, sometimes when I'm wanting God to speak to me, I'm like already thinking what he should say. Or I'm afraid sometimes that if I'm going to really listen to what God says, he's going to make me do something I don't want to do. Right? We still struggle with God's character in that area. And what you think about God will impact the way you talk to him. It will impact your trust. It will impact how you interpret what's going on around you. And I know for me, on that walk I went with God on, where I was pounding his chest in anger and confusion, by the end of that walk, and it was a very long walk, um, like I didn't realize my dog had been following me and he passed out. <laughs> he was a Samoid, so you're not supposed to take those kind of dogs on hikes, and I didn't know he was behind me. I got home and he was like lost, so lost, we had to get the RSPCA and help him. So that's just an idea of how long this walk was. <laughs> And so I'm walking on this walk and I'm like, you know, started with all this rage and this anger and confusion and doubts and unbelief and feeling like I had faith, like, so, so small. Actually, I felt like I was backsliding, if we're being honest. <laughs> I was like, man, I'm like, you know, times of testing and I'm already like, you know, down at ground zero. <laughs> but it was like this, this honesty, like the Psalms, where I came to this point where I just could wrestle with God. And I felt like it was a real wrestle with God moment, not on my salvation, not on the, the foundational things, but just on this situation, reconciling with what I knew about God and what it was feeling like for me personally. And to wrestle with someone, you've got to get pretty close, hey? Can't wrestle with someone far away. You've got to be almost, you've got to be embracing them, really. Um, not a wrestler, but I did used to wrestle my sisters, so I know a little bit about this. For the remote control, anyone relate? <laughs> So, you know, I'm wrestling with God, and there was this sense that it just produced this fresh revelation in my life where I felt settled, and I felt like God was ministering to me, and I felt like I was in a, spot, a place where God could speak to me, and I just heard God say to me, you know what, Sarah, I'm making all things new. I'm making all things new. I am making all things new. And there's goodness for God in the land of the living, the here and now, and in the age to come. Yeah. And that's just something I've clung to. And there was something that shifted in my spirit where I just got into agreement with God. I got on God's page that I don't understand what's going on. I don't know why this had to happen the way it did. But I do know that God is strong and that God is loving. And I'm just going to stick with that. I'm actually going to make a choice to stick with that. And I'm going to trust that he's going to bring a revelation on that truth in a personal way. And I'm going to let him speak into that. Right. And you know what's funny? That was 17, 16 years ago, and he's still speaking into that. Yeah. And I'm not pounding his chest, and I'm not running away, and I'm not broken like I was then. In fact, I would say that God has completely healed my heart. Things that were once really hard back then are not hard now. And it's like God has taken away that sting you know, that, that sting of death, that sting of separation, that sting of pain and brokenness. But it was this process of me letting God in and walking with him on that. And so as believers, we're not very good with knowing how to suffer well, okay? And I know that I say that in a, in a gracious way. I'm not saying that we should sign up for suffering by any means. But we are living in a world where, you know, we're not seeing God's kingdom fully operating. 
You know, governments rise and fall and people make their choices. And it's easy for us to give up and think it's all God's fault, you know, blaming God on things that have happened when we need to come back to the, the real truth that God is personal and he's chosen relationship with us and he's empowered us with stewardship of this world and our choices are making an impact. God gets a lot of the blame for that. A lot of the blame for that. And it's actually just not, it's not fair, I'll say that, yeah. but it's also not true. Yeah. So can you imagine for a moment if I have a friend who came to visit me in Newcastle and they wanted to borrow my car to go to the beach because we have amazing beaches. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, for sure, just be careful. You're gonna leave at about three o'clock. It's a school zone. So some of the, um, you know, like the speed limits will be different. Imagine if I just said that. And I said to them, you might want to just keep to 40 in those speed zones. And they're like, yeah, no worries. They grab my keys, they go for a drive into the beach, and they don't listen to that advice, and they get pulled over by the police doing 60 in a 40 zone. Can you imagine how ridiculous it would be if they came home and got angry at me? But that's what we do with God. You know, like God has given us this way to live. He's, he's given us this truth. He's given us the word of God. And humans, I'm not, you know, talking to anyone in particular, humans, humanity, we have just decided to define good and evil for ourselves. We've defined love according to our own um, definition. And when you define love for yourself, it's always going to be self-centered. Yeah. So what's loving for you is actually going to be horrible for others. And the best example I can give you of that is when I used to skateboard and I was learning how to ollie, I didn't want to wreck my really good Nikes. So I would buy these like $2 throwaway shoes, I'd call them. And I loved them. I'd get them for two bucks, take the laces out, and I would shred them learning how to ollie, and it was fine. And everything was good. To me, this was good. Until MTV released this video about trafficking and about uh, ethical shopping, and they showed a factory of children making the shoes that I was wearing. And I remember watching it and being shook that, oh my goodness, like, what is good for me, a two, three dollar pair of shoes, is slavery for another. Yeah. So do you understand? We have not actually really grasped that we're not good judges of what is good and evil. God has to be the judge of that, and God is good, and we can trust his judgment because he's actually making all things new. He's for us, and he loves us. We doing okay? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so God is real, God is present, he's committed to relationship, and he wants to get personal. God speaks to us, and I just wanna hit on this a little bit and show you how personal God is. So, excellent, God is a communicator. I have an amazing slide person today, I just wanna give a shout out to <laughs> So, we're just gonna go through some things, and I just wanna hit on these really quickly. I just want you to see the examples in the Bible of how personal God is. So. First of all, when God speaks to people, he speaks to them in a way that's unique, in a way that no one's going to reach them. So Moses gets a burning bush. All right, let's go to the next one. Mary has an angel. Next, Paul gets an audible voice. Balaam gets a donkey. You know, wow. <laughs> Balaam was a sorcerer. Joshua has a warrior. Joseph gets dreams. Peter, a vision. Elijah, the still small voice. Belshazzar, writing on the wall. Look at how unique and personal each of these methods is according to the individual. We have a God who is personal. We have a God who speaks. And if you really want to hear God's voice and your heart is positioned to listen to him, 
He will speak to you. That's great. Yeah. Don't be so narrow-minded that it has to be a certain way or within a certain time. Do you imagine how silly it would be if, I don't know, Ali and I were gonna do coffee together and I'm waiting for her to email me but she sent me like three texts. And I'm like, no, 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 she has to email me. Yeah. I want it this way. You know, and sometimes with God, we're like, I want five scripture verses, I want a rainbow at 9 a.m. in the morning, and I want a random person to come up to me on the street and tell me, this is your sign. <laughs> oh, we're in there. I know all you shooting star people as well. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> but you know, it's not the signs and wonders that's going to bring intimacy. Look at the Israelites. They had the most incredible signs and wonders that any generation has ever had, and yet they were a generation of unbelievers. So it's not about the signs and the wonders. I used to think, God, if you could just show up at my school with a miracle, all my friends would believe in you. And I would really like be confused at why God didn't do that. Until I realized that the God of relationship is a God that reaches out to the individual, who brings them into relationship with him. So God will speak to you. And I think it's really cool that God speaks to each of these individuals in a way that they needed. Like for Joshua, I don't think Joshua would have appreciated a donkey. When you're about to wage war on Jericho with those walls, I would have liked a warrior. Do you see where I'm going with this? It's like God knows what you need. He knows the timing of that, and he wants to speak to you. If you're in a season where you're wrestling with that, be honest with God. You're allowed to be honest with God. And I would say that when you do shift your soul to being honest with God, there's an intimacy release, as I mentioned in my story, where God, he does know the heart. And I think that's what stops us from sharing with God. It's like, well, God knows all things. Why should I bother? But what we see in the Bible so many times is that God, all-knowing God, whenever he approaches a situation, particularly with a relationship, I'll say issue, he always approaches with a question. Adam and Eve, where are you? Elijah, why are you in this cave? Peter, do you love me? In any of those situations, God could have come with full knowledge of what was going on and why they were hiding, why Elijah was in that cave, and why Peter had denied him three times. But what does God do? He approaches with a question. He gives a voice into the situation because that's true relationship, yeah. right? So there's dialogue there. And if God is personal and God is speaking, it's not just about us shutting up, listening and obeying, it's about dialogue. It's about our trust. It's about stepping out, hearing God, and depending on who he is to take the ground that God wants us to take. But it's time to go deeper. It really is time to go deeper. I can't emphasize that enough. That they, there, are some, there are some storms, some life storms, that just won't, you won't be able to get through them on yesterday's revelation. And you won't be able to get through them on your friend's opinion on God. And in my personal experience, my situation might be different to yours, but I hear this happens a lot. People's opinions of God when I lost my mother were terrifying. And the things that I was told, and pay attention to this, the truth sets you free. And in our belief, the truth is a person, like Jesus' truth, and his nature is love. When you hear something about God and your spirit recoils in fear, pay attention to that. Because the Bible teaches us that we've been given the spirit of God that cries out, Abba, Father. And when I was given some opinions of God at a time of my life that was deeply painful and confusing, it made me recoil away from God. Like, 
just in that moment, just recoil away and be like, if God is like that, I don't want him. And that was my wrestle. I had to be like, you know what? This person's saying this happened for this reason. This person's saying that happened for that reason. This person's saying that I didn't pray hard enough or I've got stuff going on in my life that God couldn't move. I blocked God's healing. So many serious opinions that I think if I hadn't have pushed deeper and go to God on that and be like, God, oh, what's your opinion on this? And get a revelation that God actually hates death because God loves relationship. And God has actually done something about this issue. And I'm sure that we're aware of that. And I'm sure you've thought about this a lot in the last couple of weeks, but it's just a good reminder that we are actually, though we suffer and we grieve and we are in pain on this separation, it's a temporary separation. And my mom, I'll speak from my own experience, my mom has full healing, she has a new body in heaven. And one day I'll be, I'll see her. And that is gonna be a good, good day. A really good day and I look forward to that day and I think we've just got to live in that reality a bit more we've got to live in that reality that we are eternal beings and that's like good news for us as believers it's good news that God is making all things new so one of my favorite scripture verses I just love this verse Revelations 21 verse 5 and he who was seated on the throne said Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. This is a time where we get to build trust with God. Likewise, and God gets to build trust with us. Will we be someone who will trust him beyond our own understanding? Or will we walk away? Will we be someone who beats God's chest in conversation and allows him to embrace us, or will we walk away? Will we be somebody who grapples with some of those questions and actually just allows God to speak into that, or will we walk away? And it's time to go deeper. It's just time to go deeper. Like, God actually has answers for you. This is the gospel. The gospel is God is making all things new. So Jesus came to show us what God is like and to change the way we relate to God. And I want to, uh, I just want to finish on two slides. And I kind of, I didn't feel like they really fitted into today, but then God was like, just put them in. So I'm just going to trust the Lord on this one. But I want to just clearly outline the difference between religion and Christianity. And I know you probably do understand most of this, but I find even for myself, someone who's walked with God, you know, most of my life and you know, in different contexts is like being on the mission field, you really have to depend on God in some of those situations. So I'm saying this to, to give you an illustration of, even though I've had all these amazing experiences, I find it's so easy to slip back into a religious mode of operating when it comes to God. And it's like, man, we've just got to be able to call out those religious systems and come back to relationship because religion gives us a false sense of control. But it's really man's ways of governing, you know? And it's like God has come to set us free from the yoke of religion and bring us into relationship. And I'm just gonna outline some of these and I wanna, I wanna explain a little bit about why it ties into the three things that will change your life about God. So in religion, there's these formulas, okay? And it's faith plus works equals salvation. So it's not just belief in God that makes me right with God and confessing my sins and coming to follow Jesus. 
It's faith in God and me coming to church, praying a certain time. Uh, it's, it's all these works that make me a good person and make me right with God. So the next point, religion has the belief, and this isn't, I'm not just talking about like religion is in the spirit of religion, like my Muslim friends are like this, my Buddhist friends are like this, my atheist friends are like this. It's man's ways of dealing and making sense of the world. And God's come to just set us free from that and show us who he is. So there's the idea that works can purify my soul and make me right with a God or make God like me. That's the formula. Next, if I don't do good works, then I'm not a good person. So the formula works if you can keep up doing good things every day, but I don't know about you, but that's really hard. And it's a formula that might work for you when you're doing good things, but it has an adverse effect that when you stuff up or you just react or you make a mistake, you have undone all those good works and you're now a bad person. So my good works must outweigh my bad works. And next one, please. I am constantly striving to be good enough. That is the yoke of slavery that is a religious formula that we will sometimes default into if we don't understand who God is and we don't understand what Jesus came to do for us and we don't let him lead our lives. I was on a, um, I was hanging out with a friend recently and uh, he has Christian written on his Facebook profile and I was just asking him about that. I said, yeah, so tell me about your personal relationship with God. And he was like, what? And I thought it was a pretty simple question really, but he was like, oh, well, I, you know, don't get drunk, I don't take drugs, I try not to sleep around. And I was like, I'm sorry. I was like, stop right there. I'm like, do you think that that makes you a Christian? And he was like, well, yeah, I'm just trying to do all the rules. And I was like, stop. I was like, I'm sorry. Just Has anyone explained to you the gospel? Like, do you know what Jesus came to do? Because Jesus didn't come to introduce a religion to you. He came to give us a relationship with God. And I said, and the reason why I don't need to get high and the reason why I don't sleep around isn't because I'm trying to please God, is I just have zero need for that in my life. I'm fulfilled. I'm happy. I'm actually content. Yes, there's challenges, but I'm not needing to escape because God empowers me to walk through them. And he actually causes me to overcome them. And I don't have to live a life of regret. I don't have to change who I am depending on what crowd I'm in. I can actually come into this fullness of my identity as a daughter and know that God's fighting my battles. And even when I stuff up, even when I'm at my ugliest and I do the things that I don't want to do, God's there and he loves me. And so there's just this religious mindset that we get in because it makes sense, it's logic. You know, it's like logic, it's that sense of, okay, well, I've done a bad thing. I have friends who aren't Christians, who are even atheists, atheists and agnostics. And what they do is, you know, I have this one friend and I would always know if they were up to no good because I would get free things. Like I was their little mission missionary friend. So I would get like this laptop, a really nice laptop, like a MacBook Pro. I mean, I'm not complaining. I'm like, wow, thank you, that's so generous. Grab the laptop, I'm thinking, that's very kind. Next time it happened, you know, I get this OGO $500 bag. I'm like, all right, what's with all the free things? And like, oh, I just, I just, you know, I just need to pay it forward, just need to do some good things. I'm like, unpack that for me a little bit. Oh, you know, I just had a bit of a wild weekend and haven't been the nicest person lately and just been, he's like, I just need to do some good deeds to a good person. I'm like, oh, thank you, but we need to go out for lunch and we need to talk about this. 
And we went out for lunch. We went to, you know, hung out, and I just was explaining to them, and I said, you know what? You're doing good things because it feels good to do good things. Nothing wrong with that. It's lovely to be kind. It's lovely to be generous. It's so nice when you give something to someone and they need it, hey? And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're basing your salvation or your identity on that being the formula to, to make you a good person, it's like, not. it's not freedom. And it's not true. And so there was a revelation that happened that day. I don't get any free stuff anymore, but I'm happy with that. <laughs> I'm totally okay with that because it's like, you know, we, even if we're not a religious person, we're operating with these formulas. So here's the good news. Is there any more on that slide? No? Okay, great. So this is the good news. This is the difference between religion and Christianity. Okay, so Christianity, a follower of Jesus. All right, so faith equals salvation and my works are the fruit. So my being in agreement with who God is, my following God and adopting his ways as my ways, God changing my heart is the fruit. Like, I want to pray. I'm not praying to make God like me. I have things I want to say. I have things I want to see changed. It takes a certain level of faith to believe that things don't have to be the way they are and that God would want to do something about it. And we just need to be stirred in our spirit that there's something God wants to do with the way we view him and what we know him to be like. Next, I was loved whilst I was still in sin. God loves me as a son or daughter, so I cannot earn or lose God's love. Yeah. I feel like I just wish I could just grab that line and push it into your heart. Yeah, I get seriously, you are gonna wrestle with believing that because it goes back to the formula of I have to earn love. Yeah. But the good news is God actually loved you and will love you and his loving kindness is pursuing you. As Joseph's team prayed, God's goodness is running after you. Don't run away from it. Turn, face God, have that conversation, let him embrace you. Next, I choose to believe in Jesus and this makes me right with God. Next, I now follow Jesus and start a new life, living with him in my decisions. All right, so I'm not deciding from a place of this will make me right with God. But I'm now like, okay, God, we're doing relationship together. What's going to hurt your heart and what's going to bring joy to your heart? That's the way we're supposed to operate. So what I do flows from my new heart in Jesus. That's the good news of the gospel. That's freedom. A lot of this, just a disclaimer here, it's going to look like repentance. <laughs> but repentance is so good, you guys. I know you hear me talk about this a lot, but I just... Far out. I used to be so afraid of having to say sorry or having to repent because I saw it as a bad thing. But if I see it as God's renewing my heart and transforming me to be more like Jesus, I embrace conviction because I want to be good at relationships. And you and I have got to realize that that doesn't look like waking up knowing everything we need to do. It wakes up being like, Lord, lead me today. And sometimes he'll provoke something in your heart, a conviction, and you don't have to feel like a bad person. It's not condemnation. It's him being like, hey, you're a daughter. Get this behavior sorted because it's not who you are. And God wants to do that and he is going to do that. So I'm just going to finish on that and I want to just reiterate that God is personal, God is speaking, and God is making all things new. God is speaking and you may not be recognizing his voice yet, but he's speaking and you will learn to recognize his voice if you spend time with him. If you understand his ways, if you understand his character, 
If you ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate that truth to you, he will do it. Finish on this scripture verse, Hebrews 11 verse 6. I just spent months in that verse trying to grasp what does it mean to have an increase in my faith. And I realized that, you know, faith is believing that God exists. That's what the author of Hebrews says. But also believing that he rewards those who seek him. So think about it. The enemy, he's not going to come against you with the lie that God doesn't exist. We're here in church. (laughs) I'm guessing you believe God exists. That's not where he's going to come at you. Where he'll come at you is getting you to believe the wrong thing about God. That's what he did with Adam and Eve. That's what he's been doing since that day. He will want you to believe a lie about God's character so that he can break trust and you can pull away. Then you can be this passive Christian that doesn't want to take any risks, doesn't want to step out, doesn't even want to bring your heart into the relationship because why bother? But God wants to get real. He wants to go deeper. And he wants to show you what he's like and who he is. And that's just something that only you can consent to and only you can invite him into. I really pray that for you, seriously, because there is so much on the other side of this process that you will receive and delight and have joy in if you just don't quit. Don't pull back, don't run away, don't escape. There actually isn't any way around this. As I said to the team the other day, the only way out is through. But God's walking with you. In fact, God's probably carrying you. But he's not leaving you. And he's got what you need. And he can bring healing and hope. And he can actually and will wipe away your tears. They're precious to him. So I'm just going to pray for us. God, I just thank you so much for your commitment to relationship. I just thank you so much for your goodness. God, I thank you for your presence, and I thank you for your peace. So God, I just pray right now that going into this week, Lord, there would be opportunities for you to reveal any lies that we might be believing about who you are, any filters that we've put on that are distorting our view of you. God, would you... Would you remind us what you're like? God, I pray that you turn down the noise. And God, I pray that you would just be with us. As you've been with us, God, but on a whole new level. Lord, I just pray if there's anybody who is kind of feeling like they want to have that moment with you, that wrestle with you, God, I pray that you would just, yeah, win them over, Lord. Bring them close to you. Just embrace them, God. Father, I thank you for your strength, and I thank you for your love, that we can rest on those two truths that we can found our lives on those two truths. We just bless you, God, and we thank you for what you're doing, and we ask that you would complete what you started. In Jesus' name, amen.